Thank you for listening to the Ablaze Church Sermon Podcast. Our purpose at Ablaze is to love God, love others, follow Jesus, and tell others. If you are looking for a church home in the Tulsa area, we'd love to have you join us for worship on Saturdays at 6.30 p.m. or Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, please visit our website at ablazechurch.org. Sure, the month's telling the good news. Why? Why such a subject as telling the good news? I'm going to give you three good reasons. First of all, that's what Christians do. Why? Because Jesus has said uh, that we're to tell others. And that's the fourth item in our, our mission statement, tell others. What do we tell them? We want people to know about Jesus. We want them to have the same faith and hope and quality of life that just comes to us as a result of being in Jesus Christ. Now, we want to tell the good news because that's what Jesus said we are to be doing. It's what Christians do. Now, not everybody is necessarily a hotshot evangelist. And as a matter of fact, okay, uh, I like to spend Saturday afternoons uh, watching uh, college football. Uh, I don't watch pro, but I like to watch college football. And, uh, and I notice, hey, they play as a team. But not everybody on the team is a ball carrier, right? But everyone on the team has an assignment, has a position that is essential to carrying out what the team is about to do. Okay, so Jesus says, that's what you do. That just comes with it. Okay, second thing is that the good news about Jesus is the only way that people can come to salvation, that is to have their sins forgiven and to be able to get into heaven. It is only through that good news, which is the gospel. It is what God is up to in his world and what he is so passionate about where Paul writes to his friend Timothy that God would have all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. It is only by grace that we are saved through faith. Now, in another place, Paul writes this, Romans 4, I'm Romans 9, 14, and how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? (laughs) Answer, isn't that a rhetorical question? Yeah, it's not possible. And then it goes on, and how can they hear without someone preaching? Ah, obviously, they can't. So what's preaching? You know, you say, hey, don't preach at me. And I say, what's wrong with preaching? You know, I make a living at it. Um, we, but how are, the, the, the deal is this, is that the word for preaching here is proclamation. It's announcing. It's telling. Do you have to have an ordination to do that? No, we all have a commission from Jesus Christ that says, you can tell other people about Jesus. It's really okay. It's not a bad thing to do. In the eighth chapter of the book of Acts, we're told that there was a persecution of Christians that broke out in the city of Jerusalem. And what happened? Well, the apostles, they all stayed behind in Jerusalem, but the people scattered. They went out away from Jerusalem, and, and, it says, and they went preaching are proclaiming the good news about Jesus. And that's how the church began to spread. Church doesn't spread very much by a preacher standing up in front of a a bunch of people. But it really grows when the people of God get it. And they say, you know what? I can tell other people. Okay, I'm going to go to a third. No, three good reasons. We have a first and we have a second. Now, the third one is this. And that's what I'm going to focus on. And that is that the world is in a pretty sorry mess. 
isn't it? Yeah, we, we get it. Okay, we agree. So much has gone wrong. One writer uh, that I picked up just this last week said, we are adrift in a secular culture. And that means going away from God, going away from core issues, core truths, and there's alienation, separation, and people not only drifting away from God, but a whole culture that seems to be running away from God, much like Adam and Eve did when they first fell into sin, and they, they, they tried to get away from God. They tried to hide, you know. Good luck, guys. It didn't work, did it? They ate the forbidden fruit, but now they ran Separation from God. The next generation, oh, we'll start all over. Brand new innocent kids. Yeah, uh, 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 it didn't happen that way. They inherited that sinful nature, and there was a murder. You go down a number of generations, and it gets so bad. Let me read what it says in Genesis 6. This is how bad it got. God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. You get that? So has human nature improved? Huh? Have we evolved into a, a much finer and higher state? <laughs> I don't think so. Okay. As a matter of fact, uh, a, a while later after that, centuries later, a guy named Solomon wrote this in the book of Ecclesiastes, which says in, in chapter 7, surely there is not a righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. Okay? The title I picked, What's Wrong with the World, uh, I got it actually from, there was a, uh, there were a group of three guys. They were kind of intellectuals. They were professors. They were writers. Uh, names like C.S. Lewis, J.R.R. Tolkien, you know, Lord of the Rings, and a guy by the name of G.K. Chesterton. Now, Chesterton did a lot of lecturing, and he was uh, quite well-known, a lot of writing, and uh, had a, a, quite a profound influence. And uh, after uh, having been present at uh, one of his lectures, there was a, a, an editorial writer who then published in his magazine uh, an article that ended up asking the question, what's wrong with the world? And this is what uh, G.K. Uh, replied. He said, Dear Sir, regarding your article, What's Wrong with the World? I am yours truly, G.K. Chesterton. You see the irony in that. You know, what's wrong? I'm wrong. You're wrong. We confess our sins. We've got a problem. But you see, the problem is not just us. It's a, it's a, it's a big problem in the world. But let's, uh, let's, let's examine it a little bit further. Some more pictures will come up on the screen as we look at what's going on. Okay, this is poverty, hunger, homelessness. We look at another one, it brings us war, terrorism, terrorism, 9-11, Oklahoma City bombing, Middle East uh, suicide bombers. And then we see the uptick in the number of murders continuing, continuing to continuing as, as uh, anti-police sentiment is, is growing. And then racism, which has not been solved, even though we've tried to uh, uh, deal with it in a variety of ways, is still there. What about 
conflict between people. Look at there, you got the right and the left. Uh, fringes, you know, in, in deep combat with each other, hating each other. And along with that, we have the problems of drug abuse, uh, the opiate, opioid crises, uh, the number of overdoses, people dying as a result of that, and then disease. Uh, okay, the hospital room, just when we think we've got one thing conquered, the next thing comes along, and then compounded by child abuse, child abuse, and then what about family instability? Huh. Marriages that are not honored, uh, sexuality that is just totally permissive. What about issues of mental health and depression and suicide, uh, these kinds of things? But you know what? I'll tell you something. That's, none of these are, is, is the problem. None of these is the problem. These are symptoms, symptoms of a deeper problem. You got an appointment at the doctor's, okay? They hand you this thing, fill this out and return it to us, and then we'll call and let the doctor know you're ready so you can wait an hour and a half. Uh, okay, so, uh, you know, check the symptoms. Shortness of breath, mm-mm. Pain, chest pains, mm-mm, okay? Cough, fever, uh, weight loss, weight gain, headaches, and so forth. You check those. But you know what? Those aren't the problem. Those are symptoms. They help to diagnose what is wrong underneath. So what's wrong with the world? We looked at those things on the screen. It's, these are symptoms that says there's something wrong with the world. Everything we thought was nailed down now got loose. Inmates are running the asylum. And it's just like it says in Romans in the eighth chapter about the world subjected to futility. As a result, sin smashed up, broke up the world, and broke up humanity. This is what the Bible calls sin. And there's only one way through that, and that is Jesus Christ. Okay? Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2 now. Let's, let's go again to verse uh, 12 that I had read earlier. Remember, uh, this is now before, that at one time you were separated from Christ alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, again, having no hope and without God in the world. No hope. The problem, people without hope because people are without God. And the only way to get a better world is to have better people, and it only happens in one way, and that is through Jesus Christ. This is what John wrote in his first letter that we have, uh, and that's uh, in the third chapter. It says, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil, to destroy that evil. To Timothy, Paul writes that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. And then John writes that God sent his Son into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. We are chosen, we are commissioned, and we are to be bringing that message of reconciliation as ambassadors for Christ, corporately together, each part, each one doing our part. We get the news out into the world, and God, being who he is, who is gracious and he is loving, he's compassionate, he called for himself a people out of all that chaos and out of all that was messed up, he said, I'm calling out a people for myself. 
and these people are going to praise me, these people are going to know me, and these people are going to tell others about me. Okay, so Jesus did everything that was necessary, gave his life on the cross, and at the end of his life, he just made that proclamation, it is finished. The work is done. Everything that was necessary to save a human being has been completed. Wow. Okay, guys, relax, right? Well, not quite that simple because there is one task that remains. And that's the task that he gives to his church, to tell. Always be ready, okay? Are ready to give an account of the reason for the hope, another R. And then do this gentleness and with respect, another R. Well, I'm going to wrap this up with a a little biblical example. I'm going to take this, kind of my paraphrase of the 16th chapter of Acts, where uh, Paul and Silas have been on this missionary journey. And they've been going all through Asia Minor, which would be today's Turkey, and uh, establishing new churches and building up churches that had previously been formed. And uh, things are going along well, and they think, hey, we, we are in the sweet spot here. This is really great. And one night, and it wasn't because of bad pizza, he has a nightmare. Or he, I mean, he has a dream. Paul has a dream. And the dream, there's a man, a European man, on the other side of that body of water separating Turkey from Europe, and he is saying, come on over, come on over and help us. And it had all God's finger marks, all of it. So they got on the ship and they went over. They landed at a place called Philippi. So what's wrong with Philippi? Well, Philippi, the problem was they didn't know Jesus and there was a whole lot of demonic, devilish kind of uh, stuff that was going on there in Philippi. But they, they came and they were looking for, are we ready to give a reason for the hope that is in us? Can we do this with respect and gentleness? Oh, well, let's, let's do that. So they look for every possible opportunity. And they say, oh, okay, weekend's coming. Hey, Sabbath, I bet you we could find some people uh, gathering for prayer. There must be some Jews in this, in this area. And so they went by the river, and there was a gathering of people for, for uh, prayer. Uh, and the person who kind of organized that whole thing, her name was Lydia, and she her heart was opened up to receive everything that Paul and Silas told about Jesus. And so she received Jesus, and she said, you know what? I got room in my house. Would you guys, you know, would you care to come and stay with me and my family? They said, all right. You know, we were just running out of uh, contributions. So, okay, let's do that. So they, they come to her home, and it says that she and all of her household were baptized. Okay, so we're on the mark. It's, it's all happening here. And so they would go then every day to a place where they could tell other people about Jesus. But as they're going along one day, oh, there is a young woman. She is actually a slave girl, and uh, she has a demon inside of her, which is it's a fortune-telling demon. And the, the, it makes, she makes a lot of money for her owners. And so she's stalking them as they're on their way to tell others about Jesus because they want to be open all the time. Hey, are we ready? Are we ready for this circumstance? Are we ready for that circumstance? But she's stalking them, and she comes after them, and she's shouting to everybody, these men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And you know what? 
You don't need the devil to be your public relations firm. And you don't need that kind of advertising because, you know, it's never, it never comes to any good. They're thinking this whole thing now is going south. But <laughs> this, they kept, it kept on happening. And so finally one day, Paul turns, you know, hey, demon, get out of her I, in the name of Jesus. And there was authority in that. And that demon had to leave. Now, the guys, the owners, were really upset because suddenly there was a drop in income because she couldn't tell fortunes anymore. And so they started accusing Paul and Silas of all kinds of crimes. And um, pretty soon he gets the attention of the authorities. The authorities come to arrest him. A crowd is gathered, and they start beating on Paul and Silas. And the officials and the, the police, they start beating up on Paul and Silas. And then they throw them into the solitary, not solitary, but maybe the uh, uh, place, the innermost part of the jail, maximum security, put their feet in stocks and shackles, and leave them there overnight. Oh, boy, this is a bummer, Paul. Yeah, Silas. No, they didn't do that. They said, I wonder if God has a new opportunity for us. Hey, we're in a new, whole new setting. I would never have thought of going in here. Hey, there are all kinds of people here. They maybe are open to something. Okay, so they're thinking about that, and then it gets to be about midnight, and they, Silas, Paul, are you still awake? Yeah. Oh, you know what we forgot to do? What? Uh, we forgot to have our, our devotions. Well, you want to read something? I can't, you know, give me a break. I can't read because my hands are, I can't hold the book. Okay. Uh, well, hey, let's, uh, let's have some prayers. And then they start, the voices start going louder and louder. And the prisoners start waking up and listening. Hey, what's going on? And there's a way that they're beginning to tell the story about Jesus. So, okay, well, let's, uh, let's sing some songs. So they sing a few songs. Okay, Silas, you pick the next one. Uh, Silas is kind of a rock fan, you know. He likes things with real strong beats. But, you know, he, he can't stomp his, he can't tap his feet, and he can't clap his hands. But, <clears throat> so, so God, you know, the angels then, you know, they're singing along, and they're clapping their hands, and God is stomping his feet to the beat, okay? This is one of those, you know, Christian rock things. God's, when God's tapping his feet, you know what the Bible says? that the earth is God's footstool. Guess what's going to be happening? Tapping his feet <laughs> on this planet. There's an earthquake. <laughs> and the, the doors of the prison you know, fall off the hinges, and the shackles come off, and uh, they, their feet are freed from the stocks, and the, the, the jailer is freaking out. Oh, no, because, you see, if anyone escaped, he has, to, he has to personally serve the sentence of any escaped prisoners. And, uh, you know, and if you have ones that are in there for capital offenses, waiting crucifixion or something like that, whoa. So he takes his sword, he's about ready to run through, and Paul says, stop! And the, and the jailer says, well, what shall I do to be saved? Now, I'm thinking, how do I save my skin? <laughs> how do I save my job? How do I save my family? And he says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. See, he was ready. <laughs> and he's doing this with gentleness and respect. Yeah. Gave a reason for the hope. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, and your family. Wow. So now what does the jailer do? He says, Okay, 
come on, uh, tell me more. Come on up to my apartment. And uh, there, you know, there's a whole family there and uh, gave them some food and starts instructing them, telling them more about Jesus. Oh, tell me more, tell me more. Oh, what happened then? Well, he rose from the No kidding, is that right? And, and learning more about Jesus, it says that he then uh, gave them food and then uh, the jailer washed their wounds, but the jailer and his family had their wounds washed with the blood of Jesus Christ because they were all baptized that very night. Uh, and, you know, you think about the angels, they're continuing their song and they're rejoicing. A beautiful thing just simply because these guys were ready and they knew the reason for the hope that was in them. And they did this with a gentleness and respect. Yeah. What shall I do to be saved? Hmm. I wonder how many people are asking that kind of a question. Maybe they're not putting it in those terms, but people that we encounter. There are a lot of people who have that as a deep question in their mind. So a few years back when had a uh, was doing an evangelism training program and took a team of people out into someone's home, and in that, uh, uh, that visit, or we got back then from that visit, and taken to the parking lot where their cars are parked and had stopped, and then another vehicle came and pulled alongside of us, rolled down the window, I rolled mine down, and he said, uh, y'all think you can help us? We're lost. So what am I supposed to do? I'm, I'm supposed to be leading a team in evangelism, right? So the Holy Spirit came at <laughs> just the right moment. And I said, well, we can show you how to get saved. <laughs> and he said, thank you all, but we're all from Alabama and we're all saved there. Okay. But is everybody in Oklahoma saved? Everybody in Tulsa? Everybody in Broken Arrow? Oh, maybe there are some people we can share you know, about, about Jesus. You know, let's just be ready. How do you get ready? I'm going to give you just a couple of quickies. All is being prepared. First is you got to know, you know, am I in that relationship with God in Jesus Christ? You know, if you're, if you're not, when would be a good time to settle that issue, huh? Would, you know, maybe now? Maybe just that simple, you know, expression of faith that says, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me and for offering me the forgiveness of my sins. Come into my life and be my Savior. And I thank you that you have forgiven me now. You know, I'm your child. Whoa, that's, that's not all that complicated, is it? No. Uh, kids, little kids, they can, they, can, they can do that. They know that. Okay, second thing then uh, to be ready is to be prayed. Be prayed up. And, uh, you know, Lord, Give me divine appointments. You know, God's going to set it up. You're not going to set it up. God is going to set it up. And so you pray that he will set it up for you. And then the next thing is you, maybe this is a fourth R, and that's relax. Because who's going to do the work? <laughs> He's going to do the work, you see. The pressure is off of you. The pressure is off of us. But it's all with the Lord, with the Lord. And um, then do it with respect. That's just gentleness, because it is not on how clever you can be. It is not on how loud you can be in telling, you're going to believe. No, it's 
the power is just simply in the word that you share with other people. And God will do the work that's necessary. Telling the good news. That's our emphasis during this month. And, um, and, and today, just simply following an example that we have in Paul and Silas, and um, knowing that, okay, there's a lot that's wrong in the world, a lot of people that are hurting, a lot of people who are asking the question. Like that guy, that, that jailer, he was hurting, and his question, what shall I do to be saved? But you know what? Jesus did it all. And what's wrong with the world? Jesus fixed it with the cross.